Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. that is the cry of our hearts this morning. Father, that you would fall afresh on us today, Father. God, that you would open the windows of heaven over our lives this morning and that you would again just fill us as only you can with your grace, with your strength, with your power. Father, we're so thankful this morning that we come to a loving Heavenly Father who sees us, who knows us, who understands us better than we understand ourselves. And we want to thank you that we can come today boldly and confidently to your throne of grace, knowing that we are welcome, that we are loved, that we are accepted. And today we do come, Father, believing at the core of our beings that everything you have in store for us, Father, is life and blessing and hope. We come, Father, knowing that you are good and you are kind and you are merciful and you are generous. And so we come with hearts open and lives open to you, Father. And we just simply pray, God, would you pour into us today everything that you have prepared for us, Father. Father, I pray that you would help us to receive today what it is you have in store for us because we know that what you have for us is good. And Father, we want everything that you have to give. So Father, give us this morning eyes to see you, ears to hear you, hearts to receive from you. Pray that everything that you have determined for today, every desire, every dream, every aspiration, God, every design that you have for our lives, we pray that they would be realized, that they would be fulfilled, that they would come to fruition, Father, that your purpose would be served in and through us, God, that your kingdom kingdom would come here on earth in this place today in our lives, that your will will be done as it is in heaven. And we pray all of this in the wonderful and mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Anyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Fantastic. All right, go ahead, grab a seat. Hey, it's wonderful to see you all again this morning. How are you going? Great. I hope that you are all well. And uh, I want to say a big thank you again for the invitation to come and spend some time with you. Um, I think it's been uh, about six months since I was last with you and uh, really have looked forward to coming up to your beautiful part of the world and uh, coming to spend some time with you and be a part of what God is doing here. Now, a quick question. Um, How many of you have uh, received a gift that you reckon has uh, changed your life? Like, or at least profoundly and positively impacted your life in a really good way. Let me see your hand. All right. And uh, for how many of you who have raised a hand right now, that gift was a Thermomix? All right. Let me see. Anybody anybody own a Thermomix and love their Thermomix? Yeah, I see a few hands. I don't have a Thermomix. Uh, I'm not a rep for Thermomix. I don't have shares in Thermomix. The sermon is not sponsored by Thermomix. But I've heard via the grapevine that Thermomix is outstanding, like it's life-changing if you want to save time and, and energy in the kitchen. I've heard it's an amazing gift. Um, a couple of years ago, some really good friends of ours bought us an Isomac coffee machine. And uh, I can truly say that that has been a life-changing gift. The ability to wake up every morning and make barista-quality coffee at home every day is nothing short of glorious, right? It's been a fantastic gift. Now, that is the nature of gifts, right? Gifts have the ability to transform our lives. 
they really can profoundly and positively impact our lives in so many good ways. And uh, today I want to talk about another gift that quite literally, without a word of exaggeration, has the power and the potential to transform your life in all the right ways and all the best ways. But before we come to what that gift is, um, I wonder how many of you are familiar with the term cryotherapy. Anybody heard the term cryotherapy? Right? Cryotherapy, um, contrary to what some people might think, is not uh, sitting in the corner, uh, curled up in the fetal position, bawling your eyes out, although I'm sure that's therapeutic on some level. Uh, cryotherapy is a medical treatment that requires you to immerse your body inside a cryotherapy tank while liquid nitrogen is blasted into the air around your body, which has the effect of lowering the temperature of the air around your body to around uh, minus 100 degrees Celsius. It's like an extreme version of an ice bath, you know, that athletes take when they do muscle recovery. Uh, only instead of spending 20 minutes in the ice bath, you spend three minutes in the cryotherapy tank because any longer would kill you. And apparently the effect of three minutes in the cryotherapy tank is that it, uh, it improves your blood circulation, um, it improves the release of endorphins in your body, which of course are helpful for addressing things like stress and anxiety and uh, depression. Uh, it has the effect of raising your collagen production, it speeds up your metabolism, it causes you to lose weight. In fact, just three minutes in the cryotherapy tank will see you burning up 800 calories. That's the equivalent of a full hour in the gym. How many of you reckon cryotherapy sounds like a good idea right now? Okay. Like why go to the gym and spend an hour pumping iron when you can get the same result in three minutes in the cryotherapy tank? Now, now, needless to say, there's not a whole lot of substantial and meaningful scientific evidence to back up those claims. But nevertheless, people are flocking in their droves to cryotherapy treatment centers to get um, a fast track to their new and improved uh, preferred version of themselves. And it kind of highlights the fact that, you know, as human beings, we really do love a shortcut. Right? We love a magic wand. We love a silver bullet solution to whatever it is we're facing in life. But how many of you know when it comes to the life of faith and the call to follow Jesus and to represent him well and to become like him, there is no cryotherapy tank. There's no magic wand. There's no silver bullet solution. If you are going to answer the call to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus and grow to become more like him and represent him more faithfully in this world, it is going to take a whole of life and all of self-commitment to some very specific things that lie at the very heart of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Now, these things are exemplified for us wonderfully in the lives of the very first followers of Jesus, whose lives and stories are recorded for us in the book of Acts. In wonderful statements or passages like this one in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 46, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, what we've just done now, sharing in communion. And to pray, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Wow. I read that and I think to myself, what a wonderful description of what the church is and what the church can and should be in ever-increasing measure. And I think when we read that, all of us have a deep longing to be part of a faith community like that. We all want to be part of a church that is, in ever-increasing measure, becoming more of an, uh, an accurate reflection of the description that we have just read in Acts chapter 2. And the truth of the matter is we can. We can all be part of a faith community that is increasingly becoming a more accurate reflection of that description if we are willing, like those first followers of Jesus, to make an all of life and whole of self commitment to the things that they committed themselves to in the process of following Jesus. Now, now there's about half a dozen things listed there in the passage that we have just read. But today I want to zero in on just one of them. Because this one is a gift from God that quite literally has the power and the potential to transform your life. And it's recorded for us in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All the believers devoted themselves to prayer. All the believers. Not some of the believers. Not most of the believers. Not the most mature believers. Not the believers who had been around long enough. All the believers devoted themselves. Because how many of you know I can't devote you and you can't devote me? As a follower of Jesus, you are going to have to make a decision about who and what you are going to devote yourself to. And all of us are devoted to someone and to something. So you need to make a quality decision that you devote your time and your energy and your affection to the right things. And, and nobody can do that for you. Only you can devote yourself. So all the believers devoted themselves to prayer. To prayer. And that's the gift that I want to speak about this morning. Now I know when the subject of prayer comes up in the life of the church, it can be sometimes confronting Sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's confusing, because for those of us who've been around church for a long time, we'll know that all of us come from very different backgrounds, different Christian experiences, we have different personalities, different preferences, different styles, and so how we pray and when we pray and where we pray can be quite different for all of us. Um, if you are new to church and new to the whole Christian experience, prayer can be somewhat uncomfortable and unfamiliar. Um, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you might just be tagging along with a friend or a family member. You might not even consider yourself to be a believer. You might find prayer a little strange. And so in order to get us all on the same page and to uh, prepare us all for what we are likely to encounter when it comes to prayer in the life of the local church, I have a little prayer primer video that I want to share with you today. A little Prayer Primer Preparation video that I think you're going to enjoy. All right, so take a moment to have a look at the screens, and let's watch this together. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to thank you for Playgroup, which is on Wednesday in the Playgroup Hall for kids under four. Bring $5 on a plate of food. Amen. Gracious, merciful, powerful, loving, supreme, kingly, Sovereign. Oh, Father God. 
we thank you so much, Father God, for being our Father and our God. And Father God, we just pray again for Father God. Thank you for the perichoretic union that exists in the Godhead, enabling us to extemporaneously follow Christ's intercessory example. God, we thank you so much for sending your brother Jesus so that he could come and save us from the dragons. Amazing, gentle. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. 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 And Lord, we thank you for this service. Fatherly, beautiful, majestic. Dear God the Father. Sorry. Father God, I just want to play for... We just pray that you would forgive Josh for not giving me my $10 back. He knows not what he does. And I just thank you in advance that he will give it back to me tonight. Amen. Lord, you are never going to give us up. You are never going to let us down. You are never going to turn around and hurt us. <laughs> oh, that's gold, isn't it? Hey, I love the sneaky rebuke prayer. I think I've used that a few times. That's my favorite, right? So prayer, we're talking about the gift of prayer. And I figured today for a conversation on prayer, who better to turn to than the master teacher himself, our Lord Jesus. And so over in his now famous Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus offers us as his followers some wonderful and profoundly practical insights into the nature of prayer. And so reading from verse 5 to 7, Matthew chapter 6, he says, When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask. Now, a couple of observations. Firstly, I want you to just note that in the space of these three short verses, Jesus repeats a particular phrase three times. And it's the phrase, when you pray. When you pray. I think it's interesting that Jesus chooses to say, when you pray, and not if you pray. Because it implies an assumption, and the assumption is that prayer is a given. Like Jesus doesn't take any time to try and persuade or convince his listeners that prayer is a good thing or a godly thing or a necessary thing. He just assumes that they know that to be true. And that's a safe assumption for us as followers of Jesus because if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, praying is just what you do. It's just part of our devotion. It is just a natural part of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So he says, when you pray. And I believe that the key to becoming a prayerful person as a follower of Jesus is to recognize that prayer is a gift. It's not a spiritual obligation. It's not a religious duty. It's not uh, just another thing that we need to do in an endless list of things in order to be right with God. Prayer is an opportunity. Prayer is a privilege. Like prayer is not something we have to do. Prayer is something we get to do. And in a lot of ways, prayer is to the, the soul kind of like what breathing is to the body. By that I mean it is both natural and life-giving. It's like, you know, these, uh, these mountain climbers. You know these people who scale these enormous peaks like Everest and K2 and, and mountains like that. You know, that very often when they get to a certain elevation... When they get past a certain altitude, they, they run the risk of experiencing a phenomenon called altitude sickness. 
And uh, what happens is they become disorientated and they become um, uh, delirious and they become weak and lethargic and uh, confused and they run the risk not only of getting lost but of potentially dying. And of course the reason for that is because the oxygen content in the atmosphere at certain elevations is so low that they struggle to breathe. And it's kind of like that with prayer. You see, when there is prayerlessness in your life, you will find that you begin to get lethargic. You become uh, dull. You become uh, confused. You become disorientated. You start to second-guess yourself. Your discernment kind of numbs. You, you start to doubt your confidence in God. You start to feel not quite yourself. You become slow, and you become kind of lethargic. And of course, the converse is true. When, when you have mastered the art of weaving prayer into the fabric of your everyday living, and it becomes a part of your essential rhythms and routines, then, then the opposite is true. You, you have an, a vitality and an energy and a creativity and, and a sharpness, like your spiritual senses are acute, and, and you feel yourself, and you feel free, and you feel energized, right? That, that, that is the value of prayer. Prayer is an incredible gift from God. But unfortunately, most believers only turn to prayer like when the Prozac wears off or the pastor wears out. In other words, it's like the last resort, right? But, but how many of you know God did not uh, design prayer to be treated like a service center call? Do you know what I mean by that? Like It's like when you take out an insurance policy or you get a new mobile phone or something like that, uh, if you have an issue with your policy or an issue with your phone, what do you do? You, you phone the service center and you get through to a stranger and you tell that stranger your problem and hopefully they can sort out your problem. And if they sort out your problem, then you never have to call them again. Right? Or you don't call them for a long time. And sadly, there are a lot of believers who treat prayer like a service center call. The only time they dial God up is when they've got a problem. And then for the most part, they're talking to a stranger because they haven't built any relationship with him. Right? But God did not intend prayer to be a service center call. Prayer is a gift. It's a, it's a relational, conversational exchange that God wants us to naturally weave into the fabric of our everyday lives as we do with all our relationships. And that, friends, has the power to change your life. So over here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us some profound insight into the nature of prayer. And he identifies three things that he says should characterize the prayer lives of those who are his followers. And it's these three things I want to highlight with you this morning. So the first is found in verse 5, and it's the element of sincerity. Sincerity. So Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Have you ever been in a, a prayer meeting? or maybe a connect group gathering, or maybe even a service like this, and somebody gets up to pray, and within about 60 seconds, you can work out, along with everyone else in the room, that they are not talking to God. They are talking to the rest of the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? As in like, God, you know how poorly treated I have been in this church, and uh, God, I thank you for the grace to forgive these people as you have forgiven them. And I, I pray that you show them the error of their ways. You know what I mean? Like there's, a, there's like an agenda, right? And, and they're praying because they want to make a point or because they're trying to grandstand or they're trying to persuade or manipulate or convince. In other words, there's a, there's a hidden agenda. They're not there to talk to God. That, that is insincerity. And it's that kind of insincerity that Jesus is saying should not be 
part of our prayer lives. And unfortunately, in his day and age, the people who were the prime culprits for that kind of spiritual insincerity were the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders. Uh, and, and they would stand in the temples and on the street corners, and they would pray these, these grandiose, um, loud and public prayers as a way of demonstrating their uh, spiritual superiority and their holiness and their goodness. And, and, uh, and Jesus says that kind of insincerity is an offense to the heart of God, right? Authenticity, honesty, sincerity are so essential to our spiritual health and to our spiritual vitality. God just simply wants you to be truthful and honest and sincere about who you are, what you think, and what you feel when it comes to your prayer life with Him, right? That's why I love, I love listening to children pray. Because children pray with sincerity, and they pray with honesty. There's a brutal truthfulness there that is absolutely beautiful. Like I heard about a young boy who was being tucked in by his dad, and uh, he was praying, and he's young, like five, six years old, and he's praying as he did every night through, through all the family, and he's saying, God, please take care of mom, and please take care of dad, and please take care of me, and please take care of my sister, and please take care of the dog, and please take care of the cat. And then he said, and God, please take care of yourself, because if anything happens to you, we're all stuffed. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's pretty accurate, right? I love that, right? But of course, sometimes that kind of, that kind of honesty and that kind of truthfulness can come back and bite you in the bum. Like I heard a story about a girl who was uh, cooking with her mom one night, and they were preparing for guests who were coming over for dinner. And uh, this little girl, also young, maybe six or seven years old, was just watching her mother. And, and she was getting quite stressed because she was kind of behind the clock, and these guests were arriving for dinner, and she was a bit behind, so she was feeling the pressure. Anyway, she got got the meal ready, and they eventually arrived. They sat down at the dining room table to share the meal together. And, uh, and so the mother turned to the little girl and said, uh, honey, would you like to say grace? And she said, oh, mom, I don't think so. I don't know what to say. And she said to her daughter, oh, don't be silly. Just pray what you've heard mom pray. And so the little girl said, okay. So she closed her eyes, folded her hands, and she said, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite these people to dinner tonight? <laughs> so you've got to be careful, right? Got to be careful. That kind of honesty and, and truthfulness can get you into trouble. But that is what God is after. Honesty, sincerity, authenticity about what you think and about what you feel. And that is incredibly valuable to the heart of God. So that's the first element that Jesus says should, should define or characterize our prayer lives as followers of Jesus if we're going to pray the way he wants us to pray. The second element is, and this might be somewhat surprising and somewhat unexpected, it's the element of secrecy. So in verse 6 of um, Matthew 6, he says, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, let me just say straight off the bat that when Jesus says this, he is not for a moment suggesting that we should not pray publicly or that we should not pray corporately. Jesus himself prayed publicly and corporately. Uh, his disciples prayed publicly and corporately. Rather, what Jesus is doing here is he is giving us insight into the key to the first element of sincerity. Because secrecy is the pathway to sincerity. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, we live in a day and age where we are absolutely obsessed with our public lives. We are obsessed with uh, externalities. 
with our image, with our appearance, with uh, how people see us and how people perceive us. So we spend enormous amounts of time managing and curating and manipulating our appearance, both in person and online. Because we're obsessed with how we look and how we are perceived. So if you think about it, even this morning, you took time to get ready to come this morning. You got dressed, you probably had a shower, you probably thought about what it is you wanted to wear and how you wanted to be perceived uh, by people who see you here today. But I wonder how much time you actually spent preparing the unseen part of your world, that hidden part of your heart and your mind. How much time did you spend preparing that part of who you are for this experience here today? Probably not as much as you did um, the externalities. And so, so we, are, we are very public life orientated and public life conscious. And, and unfortunately, we, we kind of do that to our detriment because there is another part of who you are. It's an incredibly important part. And it's, it's the part that's unseen. It's the part of your life and your existence that is unknown to everybody else. The part that is only known to you and to God. The secret place. And and so here Jesus is inviting us to encounter God in the secret place, in that part of our life and existence that is unseen and unknown to others. Because when you encounter God in the secret place, and all there is is you and God, all there can be is truth. There can only be authenticity and sincerity. There can only be honesty. You know why? Because you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. You can't deceive God. You can't manipulate God. You can't convince God that you are something that you are not because he sees right through it. He sees everything there is to see about you. He knows everything there is to know about you. Every thought, every dream, every failing, every shortcoming, every anger, every doubt, every frustration. He sees it all. He knows it all. You can't hide it from him. There can be no pretense with God. You you can't convince him or persuade him to think something about you that is not true. So when you are alone with God in the secret place, who you are when you are alone is the truth of who you are. And so Jesus calls us to encounter God in the secret place because in the secret place, our motives are purified and refined. Because in the secret place, when it's just you and God and the truth, not only can there be no pretense and no facade, but there can be no impure motive. Because in the secret place, there's nobody to applaud you. There's nobody to reward you. There's nobody to commend you and validate you and affirm you for your wonderful spirituality or your holiness or your goodness. There's no one to impress. There's no one to persuade. There's no one to convince. It's just you and God. And so what serving God in the secret place does is it purifies and refines our motives. And friends, it makes for incredibly powerful Christianity. And so what Jesus is saying here is, yes, by all means, pray in public, but make sure that when you pray in public, it is the overflow of what you have been praying in private. Yes, by all means, pray corporately, but make sure that when you get together to pray corporately, it is the overflow of what you have been experiencing privately and personally and individually with God. Meet God in the secret place and allow him to fashion and forge and form honesty and sincerity and purity in your motive and then bring that into the public arena when you are praying and ministering and serving others. Secrecy is the power or the pathway to sincerity. And so Jesus says here, secondly, the thing that should mark our lives as his followers, if we are going to be people of prayer and pray in the way he wants us to pray, is this element of secrecy. And then thirdly and finally, 
Jesus said that if we are going to be the kind of people who pray the way he would love us to pray, then our prayer life should be characterized by simplicity. Simplicity. In verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. See, the wonderful thing about prayer, friends, is that you don't have to have a theological qualification to pray. You don't have to have all the right words and all the right phrases. You don't have to say the right things at the right time in the right way. You don't have to be super clever. You don't have to be, you don't have to be qualified in any way. You just have to come honestly, truthfully, sincerely, and come with simplicity. And bring the truth of what you think and what you feel and what you need to God in conversation. You know, many, many years ago, when I, when I was just starting out on this journey of faith as a follower of Jesus, um, somebody gave me a gift, and it was a book on the subject of prayer. And uh, this particular um, book was of great interest to me because I was, you know, super hungry to get to know God more. And, uh, and I, I started reading this book, and, and to be honest with you, um, the, the book was, the whole premise of the book was, that there are different kinds of prayer that you need to pray in certain circumstances. And you've got to kind of work out which is the right type of prayer to pray given the situation that you are in. So this book was describing things like, you know, the prayer of thanksgiving and the prayer of supplication and the prayer of intercession and the prayer of binding and loosing and the, the prayer of this and the prayer of that and the prayer of the next thing. And I got about halfway through the book and I was more confused than a termite in a yo-yo. So I just ended up throwing the book away, <laughs> right? Because the truth of the matter is prayer is a lot more simple than that. And we're going to overcomplicate it. Prayer is coming honestly and truthfully and sincerely to God in relationship and in conversation. And bringing God the truth of what you think and feel, what you hope and what you desire, of what you need and of what you have to give. And, and bringing it to Him with an openness a kind of receptivity. Because prayer is a two-way street. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is a conversation. And as much as you are able to come and bring who you are to God, He wants to bring who He is to you through that exchange. And so in prayer, there's a, a kind of disposition of the heart that is open and receptive to that gentle, still, small whisper from the Spirit of God saying whatever it is that we need to hear in that given moment. And so here's what I want to do together with you today is in a moment the band will come up and they'll join us and we'll finish today by, by singing together and by just bringing our song as a prayer to God. But before we do that, what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment is this. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes just where you're seated. And uh, make yourself comfortable. If you want to just lean back in your seat, you can do that. If you want to kneel down on the floor, you can do that. If you want to lie down, <laughs> feel free to lie down. Whatever you feel you want to do to get comfortable. And what I'm going to ask the band to do is just play quietly in the background. They're just going to play an instrumental for maybe two or three minutes. And what I want you to do is step into the reality of what we've been talking about this morning. And I want you to come before God just in the stillness and, and the holiness and, and the, the sacredness of this moment within the sanctuary of your own heart. And I want you to come privately, come personally, 
to the throne of God's grace this morning. But I want you to come honestly and sincerely and simply. And I just want to invite you this morning to start a conversation with God. Now, for some of you sitting here, to be honest with you, this might be the first time in a very long time that you have actually engaged God in this way. For some of you sitting here today, this might be the very first time ever. For whatever reason, you might have felt unqualified to pray. You might have felt inadequate. But you need to know today that God is standing, waiting, ready to receive you and to hear from you. You might be sitting here today and you may not be a Christian. You may not be a follower of Jesus. You may not even be sure whether or not God exists. I'm just going to invite you to lean into this moment with us and to take the chance. What have you got to lose? Just come before God today and say, God, if you really are there and if you really do love me, just give me a sign. Help me to know that you're real. So you might be here today and and you might find your heart right now overflowing with gratitude. You might be so thankful for so many things. If that's you today, I want you just to bring that gratitude and that thankfulness to God and just tell Him what it is you are grateful for. You might be sitting here today and you might actually be quite angry and frustrated and disappointed. And if you are, I want you to bring that to God today. Just tell Him the truth of what you think and feel. You might be sitting here today and you might be harboring in your heart some very deep doubt about faith, about God, about life. You may have some very deep unanswered questions. And if you do, I just want you to bring that to God today and just tell Him what it is you think and what it is you feel and where you are right now. Just start the conversation. And in a few minutes, I'm going to rejoin you and we're going to pray and we're going to worship together. So just lean into this moment and have a conversation with God.
Father, this morning we're so incredibly grateful for the gift of this space and of this time. And Father, thank you so much for the accessibility that we have to you. I want to thank you, Father, this morning that when we turn our attention to you, that we are instantly made aware that your attention is already on us. I want to thank you, Father, for your acceptance. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your welcome. Thank you for your validation and your affirmation of us. Thank you that we can sit here together knowing, Father, that we are, we are free and we are loved and we are included. And uh, nothing is ever going to change that. Um, I want to thank you for your incredible goodness to us. And, and Father, I want to thank you for the gift of conversation. Thank you for inviting us into your presence, into your love, into your personal space. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to come and just share our hearts and our lives with you. And thank you for the way that you share your heart and your life with us. Father, I just want to pray today for anyone who has maybe battled or struggled to enter into that conversation. Anyone who's maybe wrestled with feelings of inadequacy or feelings of guilt or shame or anyone who's felt disqualified or unspiritual or in any way um, incapable. Father, I pray today that even as this conversation has begun, that you would just draw them deeper, Father, into you and into your love and into your spirit and into this place of dialogue and conversation with you. I, I pray, Father, that whatever it is that has held them back, that, that would just dissolve this morning, Father, in the light of your presence, in the light of your grace. And I pray that they would find a new freedom, Father, to come to you like this and to connect with you and to talk with you. And I, and I pray that there would be just a, a release right now in Jesus' name, just a, a deep conviction, a, a revelation, Father, in their spirits, that they are loved by you, Father, profoundly loved by you with an perfect and unconditional love and that they are welcome to come to you in their time of need to come to you father um, and to bring their lives and to bring their um, requests to you knowing that you love them and accept them and Father, I pray that you would help us to continue this conversation in the days that uh, follow. Help us to lean into your presence. Help us to hear from your spirit. Help us, Father, to walk closely with you every moment of every day. And just to, to um, Father, be so acutely aware of your presence with us throughout every moment of every day. And to be open to the promptings and leadings of your Holy Spirit. Pray, God, that you would just open up a new dimension of intimacy, a new dimension of conversation and connection for each and every one of us, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name this morning. And Father, I pray that you would um, take us, Father, and that you would use us, Father, as channels of your love and your peace and your grace, wherever it is you've planted us and called us, out in this beautiful world. I pray that the overflow of what we receive from you in that secret place would just flow out, Father, in abundance to all those that we do life with, to all those that we love, to all those that we work with and study with and walk with. Father, I pray that they would be on the receiving end of the overflow of your divine providence into our lives as a result of our encounters with you in the secret place. We ask that in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet this morning, and uh, we're going we're gonna to finish with a, a final prayer. This song is a prayer. And uh, I believe this just so beautifully captures, I think, how we're feeling and, and, and what our desire ultimately is. And that is just simply for more of God and the reality of himself, the reality of his presence and his love in our lives. So let's just stretch out our hands to heaven and uh, open our hearts and let's raise our voices together in unity and love. And let's just make this our prayer this morning. Amen.